0: listening to the uae's number one talk radio station
1: this is farmer's kitchen on dubai i 103.8 you're listening to the Farmer's Kitchen podcast brought to you by Spinneys. I'm Helen Farmer, talking food. We've been bringing together two chefs at the top of their game for a very special collaboration. Italian chef Bernardo Palladini and Indian chef Manshu were coming together at Tuna for the ultimate infusion dining. But how do these cuisines work together, they joined us to explain. Peter Green was on hand discussing F&B concepts, food trends and what food waste changes restaurants need to make. Carrie Brie is a nutrition coach and she was sharing her tips on how to create a balanced diet and answering a listener question on a very picky eater. What are some of the tips that might work for your kids? Christine from P had joined us in the studio. She's collaborating with Spinneys on recycled and upcycled accessories. Perfect timing with that plastic bag ban coming into play in just a few weeks. And we were meeting the chefs. Sylvain Noel, the exec chef from Drift, was chatting about what's on the menu and where he came from. Worth having a dad as a chef put him off getting into the family business and where does he think is the best city in the world for food? And we got all comfortable. British home-cooked meals from pies to fish and chips. Dan's Home Food was back to talk about the latest menu and a new location. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai i 103.8
0: with Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
1: Not one, but two chefs joining us in the studio this afternoon, talking about what could be the ultimate in fusion. We have got Chef Bernardo Palladini, the protégé of Massimo Bottoro and Tonno Subito's Chef de Cuisine, collaborating with one of the youngest and most successful Indian chefs today, the culinary mastermind. Behind Tristan's studio, which is in the world's 50 best, we have got Chef Himanshi Saini for one night only on Monday. You're going to have to be fast if you want to see these guys in action at Tuna Subito for Massimo's Friends. Great to have you with us both. So I'm curious to get from both of you the food that reminds you of home. Uh, Himanshi, where did you grow up and what food make, takes you back to your childhood?
2: I grew up in uh, Delhi. And uh, for me, it's the Pani Puri, man. It's the ultimate street food from India. And uh, for me and my family, it's like eating hundreds of them uh, on the street. And uh, and for me, I always have this uh, being served as a first dish uh, in our restaurant. So it's super close to me. I think of it uh, and I miss my my city. Yeah.
1: You have a lot of fun with panpuri at, at, yes. uh, across Tristan. So for anyone who has not never had your riff or the current take on it, how are you currently serving it?
2: So in the current menu, we make a tangy water with wood apples and uh, we fill the puri with a pamelo salad, which is a bit hot and sour. And then we have a lot of dianthus on it. We aerate uh, the stone apple, uh, wood apple water, so it's the first bite burst of flavors. Uh, it's aerated, so it's uh, increase your appetite. So oh. it's it's like a slap on your face.
1: Next level street food. But now, where did you grow up, and what were you eating as a as a kid? Who was cooking?
3: So I grew up in uh, in Rome. I came from Rome, and. Um, uh, you know, I will talk about simple ingredients like, you know, a slice of uh, sourdough bread with some tomatoes on top and a nice olive oil. That's really, you know, what I'm missing and what I'm looking for when I go back uh, when I go back, go back home. And, um, for example, papal pomodoro, you know, it's just bread from yesterday soaked with some tomatoes, you know, some basil. Oh. I think it's all about simplicity.
1: But you can only do simplicity when the ingredients are that good.
3: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Celebrate enough. them. Now, as I said, you two are collaborating. I think it's very safe to say that you two are the top of your games in your respective cuisines, Italian and Indian, of course. So, Bernardo, why have you decided to share the kitchen? When did this start? This is the second edition.
3: Yeah, this is the second edition. The first one was in a dressing studio, and this is the second one. Uh, Chef Mansu promised me to have a, a second one in our home, Torno Subito, and, you know, the main purpose is is have, have fun, have fun. You know, it's about our friendship and Torno uh, Subito is about having fun. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the memories of Massimo Bottura to come back in his childhood. So we want to have a, an ironic approach on the Indian gastronomy, in the Italian gastronomy, uh, me cooking. With Italian, in, with uh, Indian ingredient, uh, and Chef Himanshu <laughs> took with an I, Italian approach.
1: I'm going to try and put this delicately. Indian Italian doesn't strike me as a natural match. Can I ask you, Himanshu, do you think this is going to work, or did you have your doubts initially about bringing these two cuisines together?
2: No, never a doubt, uh, to be honest. <clears throat> when I when I think about my cuisine, uh, I. I don't like to say the word fusion is because it can be misleading, uh, but I think it's evolving. Uh, Indian food is evolving from time to time, and uh, and now uh, when I somebody I serve pasta in my menu a few few menus back, and a lot of people ask me that why pasta? It's not even Indian. And for me, it's something which I've grown up eating. Uh, my mother used to make me pack it for lunch, uh, so. When it's been part of my life for so many years, uh, I believe it's as Indian as uh, as Italian. Uh, so why not? Uh, we are evolved, we are growing, we are gaining more knowledge uh, so we can incorporate uh, many things uh, from technology to culture. So, so why not uh, pasta in Indian kitchen? And I think it works is because uh, you need to have a right approach. Uh, you need to find the balance uh, and... Uh, and of course, I spent so much time with Bernardo in the last uh, one and a half years, uh, and uh, we exchanged so many ideas. Uh, he has some uh, Indian chefs in his kitchen also, which uh, which is amazing. Uh, and then uh, in last one years, I've been more to Italy than I've gone to my home. So, <laughs> so I think uh, it's going to turn out amazing.
1: Uh, I want to know what's on the menu. So, Bernardo, can you give us some of the highlights? What are you looking forward to serving on Monday?
3: Yeah, I'm going to touch all the, let's say, the core values of torno subito. What is torno subito? So um, I'm going to start with um, um, a a dish that is, again, the the food waste. So this uh, papal pomodoro in Mumbai is the idea of saving uh, yesterday's bread walking in Mumbai spices market. So uh, a contamination of a classical, iconic uh, dish with, uh, you know, the Indian touch of these beautiful spices that, that they have. Then uh, there is an ironic dish, you know. Me as Italian chef, sometimes people come to my restaurant and ask me a recipe that initially doesn't exist. What, and, can you know, I ask what, like, <laughs> like chicken
1: Alfredo? Yeah,
3: <laughs> and you know, Italians are too deep into the tradition, you know. Some of the chefs will say... Get out. Get, get out. <laughs> I will never cook this. This is not uh, this is not real. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, uh, a contemporary chef is not the one mm-hmm. that have this kind of approach. I'm not cooking for myself, but, you know, I'm cooking for my mm-hmm. guests, especially in a city like Dubai with people from all around the world. Mm-hmm. If people ask me to put some pineapple on pizza, let's find an ironic way to put pineapple on pizza. So you, I will serve a sourdough focaccia with this uh, pineapple chutney, with some goose bacon and, you know, fresh stracciatella cheese. So, again, Ooh. Uh, that, that's, that's our approach on the food, you know. Irony, I think, uh, uh, is very important.
1: A sense of fun. A sense of fun. And I love, I love what you're saying, Chef. Why not? If the food's delicious, why not
0: experiment,
1: blow some minds, and have a great night in the, in the meantime.
4: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
1: We're having a bit of a mashup this afternoon, and we were going to put a bit of a a bit of a banger beat to uh, to this, and it didn't work. <laughs> the reason we were going to add a bit of a, a bit of an Indian touch to that tomorrow is because we are fusing today Italian and Indian food with two chefs who are absolutely exemplifying this in their own fields. We have got. Uh, Bernardo Palladini joining us. He is a protege, Massimo Bottura, and uh, Tuna Sopito's uh, chef de cuisine on the palm there at the W. And we have got joining us from Tresden Studio Restaurant, chef Himanshu Saini. For one night only on Monday, they're coming together to cook together in the kitchen. And I'm kind of intrigued how that works, because with the greatest of respect, chef, this is your kitchen, Bernardo. How do you share the space? What does it look like? And also the labour as well. Can you talk us through the logistics?
3: Yeah, um, to be honest, we are very lucky because we have a big space in the restaurant, you know, the preparation kitchen, the open kitchen, and, um, you know, the weather is changing, so we're going to host the guests just inside, you know, it's going to be limited seats, and uh, I think, you know, Chef is coming with a few of his team, and all my guys are so thrilled and excited, so we're going to... Be a good uh, good host. Oh, good. I want to hear what's on the menu then. What are you
1: excited to serve on Monday, Chef?
2: When we were discussing uh, with Bernardo to do this menu, we all decided the first edition we did at studio was, was serious. Uh, and this one we decided now we know the guys uh, of his kitchen. He knows us. And let's have some fun is because that's what Tornos uh, Obito is all about. So, and you know, for me, when... Um, with Bernardo, I have this memory of one of his dishes. Uh, I always tell him uh, he he has done a dish uh, in his menu, which is called Pinky Blinders. And it is for all these guests who come and ask uh, for him to cook uh, a pink pasta.
1: So this is the pasta sauce that's like tomato sauce
2: with a bit of cream? No, but he... But he, he, you do it differently. He, yes, this is what it's all about. And that's how the, that's the fun is. And he did a version with the uh, with the beetroot and uh, amazing. That's something which he would uh, uh, explain it much better than me. But it's something which I was so obsessed for uh, for weeks. I just used to see it on on Instagram. There's some beautiful pictures, and I go to sleep. So I was I was so obsessed with it that I, one day I told Bernardo, "I can't sleep, man. This is such a such a genius of an idea. When you see, it's like, it's like." Uh, Uh, it's like a slap on your face that, you know, you want a pink pink pasta, you get a pink pasta, but you get a pink pasta, uh, Bernardo style. (laughs) So, and we we were having this conversation one night when we decided to do this. uh, And he said, Himanshu, think of something like this, you know, let's have fun. And then I I promised him that uh, for us in India, you know, the pasta is something which is uh, people prefer to be overcooked uh, i'm sorry but that's how people love it in india and then i promised him that you know i'd do something with an overcooked pasta in the same way where uh, oh. you 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 get what you want but you you get it our style so i was i wanted to do uh, a broth uh, it's called rasam uh, and it has many versions of it. Uh, the famous one of the famous one, which is usually restricted to homes, uh, it's called ganji saru, which is uh, made out of the starch of rice. Uh, when you boil the rice, you just uh, uh, take the water. And then you temper it with curry leaves, mustard seeds, and then you mm. serve it to to begin your meal. So I did a spin on that recipe. Instead of the rice, I took the starch of an overcooked pasta, and then I added a bit of uh, parmesan, uh, Indian spices. So for me, that's uh, a highlight uh, in this menu from my side. Uh, I, Bernardo tasted it, so he and? App- and he approves,
3: I think. And it was just great, you know. Mm. And yeah, I think it's all about break the convention. I, I want to also break, you know, the 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 limit, the wall between between savory and sweet. Mm-hmm. So a samosa, you know, a very classic uh, Indian street food, is gonna become a dessert with the shape of a baba. So it's the samosa baba. They take <laughs> a, a syrup with all the samosa essence on on, on it. Pineapple pineapple and chili, chili ice cream, correct. Yes. Ah, you're oh, this prepared, sounds eh? great.
1: <laughs> Oh, great. Um, I think this sounds like a wonderful exploration for you guys as well to kind of collaborate and test your own boundaries and uh, but also for diners to come in and to be in a, in a space where we're used to having, obviously, Italian food from, you know, the best in the world um, and to think, actually, how could things be done differently? How could we be tasting and exploring differently? Can I, uh, apart from each other, who would you love to collaborate in the world? Is there a chef you're like, I want to get him in the kitchen?
3: Oh, that's that's a great question. That's a great question. Probably I will go in, uh, in South America. You know, I'm so fascinated of the South American food. And probably I will say Virgilio Martinez. Yeah. Uh, is one of, and he's a nice he's guy. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> he's a lovely guy. and. It's one of my favorite. Yeah,
1: I can see him and his brain just like he stole my chef. <laughs> Is that what
2: you're gonna say? <laughs> no, it's someone I always look up to. But uh, but yeah, for me, it's it has to be Daviz Mones uh, from St- uh, from Diverexo in Madrid. I'm a big fan of him. I saw him this year at least three times, uh, and he has promised me two days in Dubai for sure. Okay,
1: well, you need to tell me when he comes to town. Before I let you guys ba- get back to the kitchen, because I know Fridays are busy in the in the land of chefs. We need to ask you what we ask every chef that comes in. What would you have for your last meal on earth? So we're going to pretend I'm going to send you to a desert island and the food's horrible. It's not like, you know, catch your own fish and have a beautiful curry. It is going to be horrendous. But the night before you go, you get to have the meal of your dreams. And it can be food from your travels, food from your childhood, something you've dreamt of eating or tasting. Start a main dessert or if you wanted any configuration, if you want three courses of cheese, (laughs) I'm not going to stop you. Chef Bernardo, what would you choose?
3: I probably will choose a, a pasta plate. You know, Rome, my city, is famous for the pastas. You know, the cashew paper,' very simple, pecorino cheese and black pepper. And I will go for something like this, you know, probably something that I grew up, you know, prepared by my mom. And, uh, you know, pasta plate from Rome. You can choose or carbonara or cashew pepper. <laughs> or Amatriciana. Carbonara, no cream.
1: Uh, and dessert? Do you have a sweet tooth?
3: Hmm.
1: You don't have to have a dessert. It's your last meal on earth.
3: Yeah, I, w- I was telling I was telling you before it's I'm not a very very sweet guy. <laughs> and um, but yeah, baba probably is uh, is my choice.
1: So, Bernardo would go back to his native Italy. What about you, chef? What would you have for your three courses?
2: Uh, I can tell you, yeah, three course including a dessert. Uh, but before I say this, I have to mention why. Is because people will think I'm a weird guy. <laughs> it's because, you know, uh, we go out in many restaurants, uh, of course, amazing meals. But somehow I think I am not satisfied uh, if I don't get bread. Uh, for me, I can't go to bed without having a bread. And uh, for me, it's any bread or fries uh, to be honest there's the something carbs. Uh, yes and and uh, i think these are the two things uh, just the hot fries and bread and then for dessert i'm a big fan of tiramisu so of course
1: bringing it together yeah. indian and italian and i was in carnival by sindi the other night and i was like Oh, I'm so full. And then they brought around another basket of bread. And miraculously, <laughs> I found some space. So, yeah, I'm with you on the carbs. Guys, thank you so, so much. For anyone that wants to find out more about the collaboration, I think it might be a little bit late, maybe to join on Monday. Um, you can head over to find out more on Tony Instagram and, of course, on the guys them, themselves as well. It is at W The Palm, Monday the 30th. And I hope this is... There's more to come. I hope we're going to see more collaborations and more fun and more why not moments because that is what it's all about. Chefs, thank you. Absolute pleasure to have you with us. Wishing you a wonderful weekend, Ed.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Thank you.
1: This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: With Spinney's Eat Well, Live Well.
1: We're talking trends this afternoon. Delighted to be joined live on the line by Peter Green from Jones the Grocer. He's there on the operation side, a big foodie himself. Really, there's a huge amount of competition at the moment. You've got to keep evolving. You've got to stay on top of the latest trends, but also the latest technology sustainability requirements as well. So we're talking about innovation when it comes to F&B concepts. Peter Green with us live on the line. Peter, where are you from and what food reminds you of home?
5: Hey, hi, Helen. Um, good afternoon. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm hungry. I had a very average lunch <laughs> and all these messages about chicken adobo are making me starving. Are you going to do your worst and make my tummy rumble more?
5: Uh, um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I think um, with uh, the uh, trends that we are seeing at the moment and a few jones the grocery uh, dishes, I can uh, make it <laughs> to get those tummy grumbling a no. bit
1: more. You're from South Africa, uh, I'm guessing. What, what were you growing up eating? Or what's the first thing you order or reach for when you get back home?
5: Um, I think uh, the big trend when we were growing up was obviously uh, eating a lot of meat, which mm-hmm. is on the down at the moment. But uh, growing up in South Africa, this was uh, definitely a firm favorite, you know, a, a good quality piece of meat. But um, I think that's why I'm on the phone today with you to discuss uh, what's happening in the market. And, um, you know, having moved across to London for a few years and then now into Dubai, um, you know, you get to see what is happening. And, uh, you know, speaking about the trends um, that are coming up now, uh, the massive, massive trend at the moment is uh, towards um, plant-based eating and uh, plant-based production and R&D development. And, uh, you know, I think everyone is seeing a uh, flexitarian, uh, mm-hmm. becoming a flexitarian. You know, not many people are going to be uh, wanting to make the sudden move to plant-based eating. And uh, therefore, I think the rise of being a flexitarian is probably the biggest trend that we are seeing at Jones the Grocer and across the market. Um, what,
1: what about you personally? Are you a bit of a flexitarian? Have you tried many plant-based, you know, meat alternatives or even things like, you know, things like jackfruit that might be repurposed and, and kind of a bit of an imitation meat. What, what are your own tastes?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like to get right down into it. I think I did a... Four week experiment at Jones a Grocer where I became a vegan Ooh, uh, just to get into the uh, South
1: African vegan. Just, <laughs> this is unheard of, Peter.
5: Just just to get into the mindset, uh, I, ordering off the platforms, um, seeing what was out there. Uh, definitely, just uh, I wanted to know what it was like and what the options were like for someone that did not want to eat meat in the market. And uh, therefore, you know, getting um, putting yourself in that situation, you quickly realise what is out there and what are the options. And uh, it was last year. Um, towards the back end of covid and it was probably the starting point for our uh, new campaign for 2022 which was the uh, body and soul magazine and offer that we are offering at jones the grocer um considering the wellness and you know the consciousness that people had during covid about eating healthy and wanting to put something better in their bodies so.
1: I feel like I feel like some people did and some people didn 't like I did loads <laughs> of workouts, but then I also seem to be doing an awful lot of stress eating and I think like a lot of people gained gained the covid nineteen which i 'm just trying to get under control now um, I want to talk to you about food waste, and i 'm really glad you 're with us today because. By complete coincidence, I was speaking to Carl Fielder this morning. He's the founder, CEO of Neutral um, Fuels. So what they do is they take the cooking oil from McDonald's, other fast food um, places. And so literally the oil that, you know, your fries, your hash browns are cooked in and then they process it at their plants. And that oil then goes, is basically turned into biodiesel that runs the trucks that deliver things around around the UAE so you know amazing kind of closed loop system that something that was going to waste is now actually fueling trucks but what we were talking about was how there are still so many missed opportunities when it comes to food wastage in F&B you know all the way through from cafes up to hotel buffets and lack of composting things going into landfill and really how this is an opportunity actually for you know companies to to do better but also to make some money as well. So I'm curious from a Jones, the grosser point of view, how, how closely do you keep an eye on your food waste and what ultimately happens when that food goes back into the kitchen?
5: So, um, I mean, absolutely. I think it's something I've uh, pioneered in Jones as well with, um, you know, the whole team is uh, very, very much, uh, you know, looking at food waste on a daily basis, actually, um, you know, at the end of every single day. And, you know, we have managed to put our food wastages below the 2% mark. And it's not just a number... For a week or a day, it's an average of below 2% for an entire year. So, um, you know, cooking fresh, making things uh, to order, um, you know, production management, uh, schedule management is all contributes to the fact that we're able to keep this number below the 2% mark. And as you can imagine, anything that you produce, grow, or make, mm-hmm. um, you know, has a carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you bypass that going onto someone's plate and into a dustbin, you have wasted the entire potential or the, t- the total of that piece of food or item because it just has not seen its purpose. It hasn't mm-hmm. come in, you know, to feed someone, to eat something. So uh, you know, reducing wastage and, and keeping it to a level has, you know, one of the biggest effects because you're just instantly minusing hundred percent of that carbon footprint that would have been put into the dustbin
1: there's a couple of things to look at here i mean one i think is very much the responsibility of you know Mm. the food professionals you know chefs when it comes to being more resourceful with you know using different parts of you know Animal and, and and plants as well, but also from our point of view as consumers, you know, not over ordering, not doing that. We'll get you know this, 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 and we won't take it home. I love. I personally, I'm always taking food home. I've got no shame in the doggy bag at all. But I feel like we, you know we both need to kind of do better. Both you know the F and B providers, but but also us, as diners. Yeah.
5: As a consumer and to being consumer conscious, uh, you know, you've obviously seen the trend of, you know, beyond meats and impossible burgers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, swapping out this once a week, you know, eating something, uh, just reducing that meat footprint obviously has a contribution to the overall impact. And, you know, it's something that uh, I'm sure you grew up with as well, not eating meat every single day. And you would have a roast on a Sunday. And, you know, what we've become as consumers is, you know, eating every single day Mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's you know that's something you just have to be conscious of it's not that you know making small contributions and small choices just yeah just being a bit
1: more a bit more mindful um people run out of time but thank you so much for being with us this afternoon definitely excuse the pun Food for thought, um, and lots happening at Jones, of course, Thanks, um, as ever. Have a wonderful weekend ahead, and uh, yeah, let me know if if, uh, if Jackfruit works on on the on the, the bry. I'd be very intrigued to see some, some, <laughs> Thank some you. And vegan I hope grilling. To
5: listeners down to to Jones' grocery shortly.
1: Thank Have a you. good one, cheers, Peter. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
0: 103.8 with Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
1: We are, yes, talking fish and chips, and but we're also talking about some some balanced nutrition as well. Joining us live on the line is Kerry Breer, a nutrition coach, co-founder, managing partner of Loving Life with Lemons. Um, she has spent 20 years in the hospitality industry, private jets, flight catering, hotels, but now is on a bit of a mission to help us understand the benefits of a balanced diet and break it down, make it easy for us as well. Kerry, where are you from and what food reminds you of home? Hi, Helen. Hi. Thanks for having me on today. Hi. So I'm from London, but my parents are
6: Turkish. So I've got a little bit of a mix going on here. So with the fish and chips, I can completely rela- relate. Love, love, love fish and chips in our house. Um, but I also think of things like köfte patates, which is a traditional Turkish köfte made in the oven with beautiful potatoes that have been softened and you know added with spices and herbs and things like that so that was also going on in my house when I was growing up oh that sounds delicious
1: yeah that's, absolutely how lucky are we I have to say we, we kind of sometimes we know that food is fuel but there's so much emotion attached to it as well and so many you know memories and legacies and sharing and celebrations and I think that I guess that's kind of what we need to to marry really is the idea of health but also enjoyment so I'm hoping you can help us with that today
6: Absolutely, you, yeah. you as it's I said really, working really. for
1: decades in in uh, hospitality but decided to become a nutrition coach can you tell us a little bit about why you why you made that transition yeah sure so it's a bit of a personal one for me actually so
6: my both my children suffered with GERD oh, which is a form of silent reflux you poor which is thing basically, <laughs> oh gosh you know about it okay oh, <laughs> So both of them were scream for hours and hours on end, a day, it's basically when the um, sphincter to the stomach doesn't close properly and acid rises up to the esophagus which basically causes loads of pain. So my son responded really well to the prescription meds that he was put on and by about eight months old he was free from meds, he was happy boy, no more crying, excellent. When my daughter came along a few years later, that was a completely different story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Amelie just did not respond to the prescription meds. She was crying at a different level. Um, It was just completely crazy. I mean, it would be eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. So we knew there was something way different going on. And at the time, I was supplementing with a combination of breast milk and formula. I had no idea that it could be something to do with this. And so we got tested. We found Occult blood in her stool, which meant that she had something called CMPA, or the doctors actually analyzed uh, which is a cow's milk protein allergy. Oh,
1: okay, There's, which I've never really heard of before. It's, isn't it funny? And then you start to hear about more people having this, and then you've obviously got to educate yourself fast because you want to get the. So, so did that mean that you had to then change your diet if and it was coming yeah. through your breast milk? Interesting. And did that yeah. make a big difference? Huge. But it
6: took a long time because dairy takes a while to leave our system, Mm -hmm. uh, up to about a month, actually. So immediately when we found this out, I got Amelie off the supplement formula. I started exclusively breastfeeding with no dairy involved in my diet, but it did take a while. And then slowly, slowly, but she, as I said, she didn't really respond too well. Just the slightest little bit of milk powder or whey powder, she would start up again. And it was a response triggered by gases blocked in her small and large intestines how
1: is she now and and what what kind of adjustments have you had to make as she's got older
6: yeah so at around 18 months two years we started her on something called the milk ladder uh which is basically testing her on very small amounts of milk not from their original source so Mm -hmm. we couldn't ever give her something like cheese or milk we gave her things like uh small amounts of biscuits or crackers with whey or milk powder in them and eventually she has grown out of it and it's amazing actually she's going to be four in october and i give her one or two dairy items a week and we test her just to see her response but i'd say 90 percent
1: she's completely out of it now
4: wow this is farmer's kitchen on dubai i103.8
0: with spinneys eat well live well
1: Joining us live on the line now is Carrie Brier, a nutrition coach and the woman behind Loving Life with Lemons, uh, taking your questions and answering mine about a balanced diet that's realistic for you know busy people and people who've got picky kids, such as me, and a listener who's been in touch with a bit of a a bit of a scenario, shall we say, Carrie? Have a listen to this. No name on this message, and as I always say, you can be anonymous if you prefer. Absolutely fine. Saying, I'm so frustrated with my kids and their limited diet. The eldest is seven, likes potato waffles, fish fingers, cheese, boiled eggs, fried eggs, apple juice, cereal and bagel. The four-year-old likes porridge, um, Cocoa Pops, yoghurt, rice. That's it. I've tried persistence, bribery, taking away privileges to try and get them to try new things, but nothing works. Please help. And I'd say about seven exclamation marks at the end of that so desperation um reeking yeah. <laughs> on this message yeah i can feel it I can
6: I, i'm, feel I'm it. living it
1: to be honest my my youngest Aww. one is limiting her diet every single day you know she used to have cereal in the morning with banana now she doesn't like banana she used to have cucumber every day now she doesn't like cucumber and it's infuriating as a parent because yeah As I said, there is so much, you know, time and emotion attached to it and money, let's be honest. What what have you found with your kids or with clients when it comes to getting a balanced diet for children? So I
6: really, really try to suggest that people get their kids involved. This is the biggest thing, I think, you know, forget the mess, forget everything else. Just get them in the kitchen with you. Because I find that, you know, when they're experimenting, they see it a little bit like an experiment. At school and let's face it most kids like that they like seeing bubbles they like seeing mushy things I don't know they like getting their hands in there and working things you know so if you if you try as much as you can to get them involved I find that really really helps making your own pizzas hiding veggies in their pasta sauce hiding veggies in their bolognese sauce things like that For the super picky eaters, how about doing some food art where they choose their favorite ingredients, let's say, and they get to, you know, experiment making something really special. Um, My my boy, for example, he likes seaweed, which is a little bit of a weird one for kids. (laughs) Yeah, but there's roasted seaweed that you can buy now with a sweet teriyaki flavor. And yes, it is. Let's say a little bit unnatural flavoring in there, but it doesn't matter. He's still getting amazing nutrients from that seaweed. So we chop it up and we make it into leaves and make a flower and make like a little garden and things like that. And he really enjoys that. And then he gobbles it all up at the end. So, you know, he tried red capsicum for the first time the other day because we experimented with this. You know, so it's just a little bit of an experiment. Keep trying. Don't lose faith. Um, you know, how about, um, children's healthy cooking classes or children's cooking classes as well? You know, when they're really, you know, they get the chef's hat on, they get their apron on, and they really get involved. And, and, they and that feel can a bit... be
1: a bit of peer pressure as well, which I find can be quite yes. useful. Like having friends healthy. over. healthy yeah. peer pressure. Exactly. Um, <laughs> my kids will eat things in their lunch boxes because they're around their friends far more easily than they would do at home. And I keep, I keep on forgetting Absolutely. this. I think that, but I like the idea of a class as well. But yeah, Tabby's doing mm-hmm. my head in and I think that that, that's what I'm you know as I said lots of desperation coming off this message and for me I find it really frustrating that I have to try really hard not to be like will you just eat it you had it last week this is ridiculous to try and just stay calm Sure, 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 sure. how about the
6: crunch factor kids Mm. love french fries why probably because they're super crunchy they're super you know uh just on the tactile as well yes exactly so why not do something like crispy cow chips, crispy uh, sweet potato chips, crispy chickpeas in the air fryer. You know what? They're never going to go to waste because mum going to put them in t- their not, that's salad. diet, right? the
1: leftovers, yeah.
6: <laughs> Right? So just try, pop it on their plate and say, oh, this is a new something that one of their friends' mum suggested or, you know, something like that. And you never know, them hearing someone else familiar that could be eating the same might
1: put that little bit of competition into there as well. Thanks, Carrie. Now, as I said, it gets to about half past three and mm-hmm. I start to slump, which tends to be where I go, Foonam, could you put a Diet Coke in the green room so I can go out and have a little slurp during the news? So about now. About now, <laughs> in about three minutes time. Um, but I think a lot of people experience this, you know, whether you're working from home or you're on the go with kids or you're in, you're in, the, in the office. What would be a good kind of mid-afternoon little pick-me-up that perhaps hasn't got the word Twix on it, for example. Just plucking one out of my nose. So
6: So here you're going to be looking for anything that is unprocessed, or let's just say not highly processed, okay? Anything that has lots of vitamins, minerals, some kind of good nutrients inside. So for example, some crunchy crudités with hummus, or some unroasted nuts, or some homemade protein balls, you know, even adding some zucchini in your brownies. You know, I do that with the kids, I make brownies at home, and I add some zucchini in there, again, a way to hide veg in their food. So you know, that recipe is on my website as well. So if anyone's interested in, you know, trying that one out, but it's things that basically will not cause your insulin levels to spike further Mm -hmm. because what you're experiencing is that exactly you're experiencing a low and it could be depending on what you've had that day to eat. For example, I just um, listened to a podcast with two, there was some research recently done with two groups of students. One had a super sugary breakfast The other one had a savory breakfast, which consisted on all three macronutrients in that group, so protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So the kids that had the sugary breakfast got hungry two hours later. And the kids that had the savory breakfast got hungry five hours later.
1: Wow. 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 Yeah. I also think it's quite interesting in terms of what do people define as hunger as well. Like I feel like with my kids, they and, and me, <clears throat> full disclosure, um, I, don't, I you know, we don't often allow ourselves to get that hungry very often because, yeah. you know, we kind of snack habitually and it's sometimes it's about behaviours rather than our, our bodies. Does that make sense? Um, um,
6: absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why I encourage a lot of my Clients to practice mindful eating, which is when you actually put down your utensils in between bites. You know, you concentrate on tasting the flavors, enjoying the textures. You know, really uh, listening to what it is you're eating. You know, really seeing what it is you're eating, smelling the food, and also just noticing your hunger levels in between your meals. So, for example, you should be hitting around a. Seven or eight before you start eating, and that's where your tummy starts to gurgle. You know that's giving you that sign, and you know not to the point where maybe you're having a burning sensation or dizziness or anything like that. Because if you do get to that level, it means that the hunger hormone has just released that little bit too much, and you're it's telling you to eat or grab anything, anything that you see.
1: (laughs) This is why you don't go supermarket shopping when you're hungry. hungry. Uh, Exactly. Thank you so much for your time. Kerry, we have run out of time. We have had a number of messages actually for you as well. We'd love to explore this further because you've got some great ideas and great advice. Um, For anyone that does want to check in with you, maybe get some coaching, use some of your resources, what's the best way of of contacting you? Yeah, so
6: contacting me through Instagram
1: at Wellness with Kerry is probably the best way right
6: now. Um, I've got a healthy cooking masterclass that I've just launched and that's for anyone that wants to add more balance to their diet, learn more about how they can, you know, really ease their way throughout the kitchen, how to plan and prepare quick, easy, healthy meals in under 20 minutes, you know it's a great way for helpers and home staff
1: to embrace and understand how to support the family that they live with as well. Kerry thank you so so much really do appreciate your time and uh, thank you to everyone who's been in touch with questions and comments as well. Master saying, I think it's very important for parents to be aware that there is picky eating and then there's food sensory processing disorders absolutely right. Uh, Food sensory kids would rather starve than try new foods and need an expert occupational therapist trained in this otherwise you can try and deal with a picky eater not understanding why you're failing and actually making things worse. A great point and a really great topic actually for a future show thank you and a message here on this and the similar line saying can you please talk about food addiction stress stress binge eating and how we can manage manage it i can't afford a psychologist i've actually got an amazing expert who could really talk to that point so thank you for that we will absolutely be looking to address this on a future show
4: you're listening to farmer's kitchen on dubai i
0: 103.8 with spinnies eat well live well
1: as many of you know, come June, uh, Dubai's introducing a ban on single-use plastic bags, so you're either going to have to pay for the bag you use or be eco-friendly and carry your own. One company that has been massively ahead of the game when it comes to promoting those eco-friendly products is Phead, And they've now created a bag in collaboration with Spinneys, which is only right since this is one of the raw materials that founder Christine first started using when the company got its start during lockdown. I love a good positive out-of-the-pandemic story, Christine. Great to have you with us in the studio. How are you?
4: Hello, Helen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, tell us, you were collecting spinney's bags. <laughs> it was. It's a was. tragic collection. <laughs> <laughs> there were plenty of them, to be honest. It was during <laughs> lockdown, so there wasn't much else to be doing. Um, so, yes, I was collecting them from the neighbourhood, fusing them between greaseproof paper to iron them and make them a sewable fabric and create functional items from them. So I've been doing that for two years, making belts and purses and You've, handbags and all sorts of things.
1: You're obviously a very creative person. Do you, um, what kind of jobs have you had in the past that's led you to doing this now as, as your main job?
4: I do love it. I think craft has always been part of life and creativity. So job-wise, not so much. It's something that just happened, like a lot of people, during lockdown. So talk us through this then. So I'm, I've
1: seen them and they're gorgeous, but I just want you to paint a bit of a picture for anyone that hasn't seen Head product. And let's use the Spinney's bag as an example. So you're saying you kind of fuse it so it becomes a tougher material. And then how are you putting them together to make the products?
4: Yeah, so first of all, I mean, Spinney's bags are so iconic in the region. They've been the same for decades, I find out. And it's one of the few things that has the Arabic calligraphy on it. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really attractive when I first came to Dubai a couple of years ago. I'd never seen anything like it. And so it was really unusual to me. So I started to fuse them and pair it with something, because they're bright green and bright yellow. I decided to pair it with something softer, like the cork leather, which is sustainable, and the uh, the natural coloured uh, canvas. And so we keep them separate. We don't create any composite material, so you can always recycle the fabric separately and the plastic then separately. So it's a nice sort of... um Mix of the two, really modern plastic and really natural, soft-looking fabrics.
1: So this is an interesting thing. So, of course, you get the attention of spinnies after, you know, upcycling their bags for a while. What's the collaboration that you're going to be doing?
4: This makes me so excited. Together, we're going to recycle more plastic bags than we ever have. Um, We're collecting them all over the city, um, all over the Emirates, in fact. And we're going to create a collection of sustainable, reusable tote bags, that have waste not want not written on them. And I think that that's really important to think about when it comes to everything, when it comes to food, when it comes to clothing. You know, if you don't waste it, then you won't be wanting for it. Mm. And so these are the bags that we're going to have out in the stores to um, replace single use.
1: It's also it's all going to be happening from, from June, as we know. Are these going to be made
4: locally? Yes, we have a team in Ajman. I'd love to give Hafiz and the team a shout out. Shout out, out are, to Hafiz. <laughs> hello, hello. They are working diligently today as we speak to fuse those plastic bags and sew them together for us. Question here saying, what is what tell us about the name P Head? oh this is a family name (laughs) so growing up growing up I always had the smallest head so anytime (laughs) there was an occasion that we had to wear a helmet I had to wear the child's helmet so as you can imagine as a teenager this was the most embarrassing thing to be called a a pea head and so that's why it stuck because it was so embarrassing and everybody laughed and so
1: I've just owned it now (laughs) I like it you're you're literally taking that label for for your own Um, you're you're also going to be offering some eco craft workshops was tell us about the demand for those and what they're Going to entail christine
4: yes this is come we do a lot of large-scale art installations so for various festivals like dubai design week we've been asked to do lots of craft workshops and show how we go about our upcycling projects and so we're launching eco craft workshops officially and they will be using food scraps to create natural dyes we'll be using leather from etihad we'll be using life jackets and making all sorts of really nice craft things for both indoor, outdoor, CSR, corporate stuff, as well as for children. So it's a really, really fun project.
1: Elisa is saying, um, what would you like to produce in the future? What are you working on with tech and design?
4: Mm, we mm. use what are a you lot scheming? of e-waste. I know, we get a lot of e-waste as well. What's e-waste? So that's batteries and motherboards and uh, telephones and all sorts of um, hardware that would go to waste otherwise. So... We've created trophies from them, award trophies and sculptures and wall art. So the world is your oyster Whenever You can be creative, it just takes a little bit of time, design and creativity to make things functional again. So.
1: Now you obviously have a big passion for, for crafting and getting into that flow of creativity but i mean you're obviously giving a huge amount back to the planet as well what do you think else needs to be done if you could wave a magic wand and make us all a little bit more sustainable either for our you know our individual behaviors everyone listening today or or even on a bigger scale what would you like
4: to change yeah i think we just don't need to keep buying as much as we're buying (laughs) or at least if we can practice a sort of one-in-one-out policy. So Mm. once it's worn out, you can buy another one. So so long as you've given yourself a reason to buy something new, rather than it just be a fast fashion item or something that you don't necessarily need. Swapping is great. Thrifting is good. You know, there's so many charity shops that you can guilt-free buy things from. So those would be my things.
1: And when is the Waste Not Not Bag going to be available?
4: It is going to be in Abu Dhabi on the 1st of June and in Dubai on the 1st of July. Oh,
1: (laughs) come on. No, I'm really excited to see it, Christine. Huge congratulations. It's really lovely to hear something born out of passion and the pandemic um, really raising some awareness and doing doing some good. So I'm going to let you get back to your, your crafting and it sounds like a lot of work ahead of you, but... What a great cause and thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, me too.
4: I want to give a wee shout out to Sophie and the team at Spinneys, Ron and Rose and everybody that's making this incredible collaboration happen because it's above and beyond when any other supermarket's done. So we're very excited. And what's the best
1: way of following you on Instagram or finding out more?
4: That would be peahead.eco, so P E A. H-E-A-D dot eco. If you want the <laughs> details of that and by all means
1: drop me a little line I'd be very happy to share that. Christine, wishing you a wonderful weekend. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
4: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. With
0: Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
1: Where are you going over the next couple of days? What are you going to be eating? What are, you go, what are you cooking? We're giving you some ideas of where to go and what to eat now with Chef's Table. Delighted to welcome to the show Sylvain Noel, the executive chef at Drift. Um, one of the hottest or coolest, depending on how you look at it, spots in town, it's at the one, one and only Royal Mirage. Chef, thank you for being with us. A, a pleasure to, to catch up. Um, tell us a little bit about where you go grew up where where was home and what were you eating
7: well i was born in um born in paris but uh, my parents moved early and i grew up on the west uh, coast of uh, france um place called la rochelle so it's uh really close to the sea um next to marraine which has uh, oysters like like on the west coast so it's a uh, uh, small small town where I, I grew up and my parents used to have a restaurant there
1: so you knew then growing up what it takes to be a chef <laughs> you'd had an insight into the life of running a restaurant and it didn't put you off
7: yes yeah, so yeah I was a first first hand uh, uh, from early age uh, helping in the kitchen helping in a I don't know in a bar helping uh, uh, just any anyway you know it's a family business so from the start uh, you just everybody's uh, uh, helping and uh, it did it did at at once you try to not do like your parents you say I will never do that because (laughs) of the hours and then you uh, maybe realize uh, later on when you turn uh, 18 uh, 16 18 that uh, actually uh, maybe something you have in you
1: there was it was just a natural fit it was always meant to be but you left that family restaurant and you've traveled the world as a chef can you tell us about some of your travels and how they've informed your philosophy when it comes to food
7: it's um yeah in 2000 my my father told me to to travel when I, if i wanted to do that that uh, uh, career and I moved to the U.S. to to New York, and um, and it was just when you uh, 20 years old, you are in New York City, and you meet like people from lots of horizons. You 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 cook with Japanese chef, Mexican chef, and you just um, just realize that there is such a, a broad uh, ingredients, new ingredients, and so many flavors that. Uh, I was not uh, aware of in, in, in France before. So it's, uh, it's really, that's was the start of uh, um, make you want to discover more flavor and more spices and just blend them together to to do something. You know, it's uh, that's where I started, yeah.
1: I'm a bit worried about asking you this, Chef. You're a Frenchman living in Dubai, who's worked in New York. Where do you think the best foodie city on the planet is?
7: yeah i think uh no new york definitely i think new york um because maybe has lots of uh, uh, different uh every everything you can find everything of course paris france um paris also has so many mission stars so many restaurants a great chef um but uh, maybe more street food in new york as well so you can find like really really good street food uh, like uh, not necessarily like expensive like a high-end restaurant
1: when I was about 22 I went to New York and it was this is like back in the time where you, there was you know you didn't have the internet on your phone we had to go to an internet cafe to to book places and to yeah. research things and I had a book with me which was it was called something like New York free and dirt cheap and we we were we were broke I was really broke I'd spent basically all my money on flights and we were staying in somewhere that I, I we probably my parents would not have approved of at all but it was about $30 a night and we went to get one dollar falafels and that was one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life it was a proper hole in the wall people queuing out the door and that to me I was like this feels like I'm having like a New York moment you know it felt like so so special because you know we, we went to the Spotted Pig and we had you know shoestring fries and burgers and But that falafel was just, it was everything to me as a young, broke 22-year-old. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye
0: 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
1: It is Chef's Table and delighted to have on the show Chef Sylvain Noad, the executive chef at Drift at the one and only Royal Mirage, where he's blending his, uh, his love of French cuisine with, of course, some Middle Eastern taste buds as well. So what does that menu look like, Chef? And how do you kind of marry those inspirations and those flavours?
7: Um, we usually we're really trying to have... Um, uh, Fresh, fresh products and uh, trying to marry them like uh, very simply because I, I believe now uh, simple sometimes is always better. So like some grilled calamari, some shrimp, you know, like just fresh olive oil, uh, dash of lemon, like uh, some some tomato. Nothing too too complicated because when you have a good product, you want to um, that product to shine. So you don't need to to put heavy mm-hmm. heavy ingredients with it so that's really the goal we try to uh, uh you know we have like saute shrimp um from from oman so local uh, local shrimp um but even the the fish we got whole sea bass uh, that we get fresh from uh, from france twice a week and it we just uh cooked all you know and the the water they, they do it for you uh, in the restaurant and just simple again just uh, olive oil some uh, uh so yeah that's really the Um, The identity, I think, of of Drift, uh, fresh product, cooked to to order, and uh, even to make our own ravioli, uh, gnocchi, everything Mm -hmm. trying to be uh, uh, made. uh, We do our own bread uh, in in the house. So, um, yeah, that's really the core core of of Drift is uh, uh, quality and, and freshness of product.
1: We were talking earlier in the show, Chef, about food trends and sustainability is not necessarily a trend, but certainly a focus and a priority for many places and local produce being a big part of that. And You mentioned shrimp there from Oman. How else have you been able to incorporate some local produce into the menu at Drift?
7: um over i mean i've been for for seven years now we have way more lots of farms opening so mm. we are lucky more people doing like even the micro herbs before we used to uh fly them from south africa now we have micro farms uh so at least it's uh it's uh um, more sustainable um tomatoes like the cherry tomato uh we're using um and uh yes unfortunately some some of the product we still need to like the fish and we need, we still need to, to, to fly them. But as soon, as, as much as I can, uh, we, we try to incorporate, uh, local, local, uh, vegetables and, uh, um, when we can, when is the season as well.
1: Um, Now, Drift is is a very kind of cool, cool spot. It's a bit of a scene, you know, seen be seen. And I know, obviously, a bit of an Instagram hotspot as well. And I'm sure a lot of people photograph the food, chef. So, how much do you have to think about that? We know we eat with our eyes before we eat with our stomachs. But in your time as a chef, is it has that changed the way you you know created a menu or even how you plate when you know it's going to be photographed?
7: yeah definitely because um, that's why also it pushes you to be uh, consistent uh, because every time people they want to see the same plate so it's it's uh it's fifty fifty or maybe not fifty maybe sixty percent of course the food uh, has to be good because you you need to eat it but um if if it's not visually appealing and people like post it. Then, then you you will not come. So it has, it's it's as important as the test, uh, and especially now. Uh, and really, it's it forces the cook to to uh, be consistent in, in mm. plating, and because uh, uh, if I see like if I see a picture and I'm not there, uh, I'm going to <laughs> send it to my sous chef <laughs> and be like, what it looks like, you know. So it, it really puts you on, on to to give the best uh, on each plate.
1: Now, it's, it's I think I think of drift of being very a a daytime place, which the chef is amazing. My my brother in law's a chef and, you know, landed a bit of a dream gig at a, a really amazing restaurant that was only open for lunch. So he went from working I'm really not exaggerating, kind of fourteen, sixteen hour days um in London restaurants to then having Almost like a nine to five, which is really unusual when it comes to comes to being in in the world of food. how do you balance you know family life and, and personal life with the hours at uh, you know the you know it takes to be a to be a top chef uh-
7: we still, I mean, we still do, even if the restaurant is not open I at mean, night, we still do like 12, 13 hours because we, we start at uh, 7 and, and we still, uh, and don't leave at 7. But yes, I don't need to finish at, at midnight. So it gives, uh, it gives me a uh, time. It's, it's really important because that's one thing as, as I learned as a growing in you know, the industry with my parents. Um, to, to give time for for my daughter and, and uh, my family, and it's it's really it's really important because you need that balance of work and and personal uh, time. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's really important uh, to to find that balance. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're it's, trying.
1: Uh, um- can I ask? You now we, for a while during lockdown, actually, we did a series of Zoom cookery classes on Farmer's Kitchen, and it was me in the studios here on a on a Friday. This is back in the. the- Other weekend schedule and we would be Zooming with chefs all over the world we made made pizza with George Locatelli and we made bread once with Jason Atherton and it was really interesting because he's a dad as well and he opened his fridge to get something out and in the door of the fridge he had those Ella's pouches you know the kind of pureed food for babies and i was like chef i cannot tell you how happy i am to see that even you know a chef of your standard is still you know basically putting ella and the whole family through university by spending money on on these pouches and i and i had to ask you know like how how do you separate that with with being like, what if your kid is a picky eater you know, and he was like, "Well, yeah, my kid has plain pasta all the time," and that was very reassuring to me. What about your daughter? Is she is she a foodie? Is this something you're trying to encourage, or would you never want her to get it, into the kitchen?
7: N- no, yes, but uh, as as grow, yes, she used to eat everything when she was a baby because mm-hmm. we really try to uh, push and, and give her everything. Then as she grew up, she she's making her own mind. So I think that she does now. <laughs> she doesn't like she doesn't like Burgers or meat at all? Like she doesn't eat a steak, but she loves sushi. And seven years old, it's a uh, Dubai. Like she she loves sushi and she likes oysters. Wow. So it's uh, it's really uh, something unusual. And uh, and uh, yeah, but past- pasta is always a. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a classic. We, think,
4: Chef,
1: before I let get let you get back to your Friday service. I know Fridays are very precious times for chefs. I, I do appreciate it. I need to know what your last meal on earth would be if you could create your dream menu for you to enjoy. Starter, main, dessert, or any configuration if you want. What would you put together and it can be food from travels, from the past, something you've always wanted to try. What would you eat?
7: I i think i will go with uh you know food is always attached to emotion like when you are in new york maybe that time so you remember that falafel and for me it will be like uh it will be my grandmother um, villestue like a blanket de veau and it will have that i don't think i will get anything else i will just get a big big dish of of uh, uh but it will have to be done by her because it never tasted even if i do it um, it's never as good as I remember when I was a kid. And uh, just I think that because of the emotions, the time. So yeah, it will, it will be the, my, my grandma's uh, visit you.
1: Chef, thank you sure. so much for being with us. Chef Savan speaking to us Thanks from Drifter. There. Have a years. wonderful weekend ahead. I really do appreciate your time, especially on a Friday afternoon.
4: You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
1: We are talking fish and chips today, and uh, back in 2020, a man named Dan had a plan, a goal, to bring British comfort food to Dubai. And for anyone who's not from the UK, hasn't been there, I'm talking fish and chips, pie and mash, lots of gravy. That kind of maybe cheat day, bit of a treat meal, and so delicious. Dan? Dan? Happy International Fish and Ship Day.
8: (laughs) How are you, sir? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really good. How are you? How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Fish and Ship Friday. That's all I fancy now. Have you got lots of orders coming in?
8: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, it's getting out of control. Um, Yeah, so we look forward to this day every year. Um, Well, for me, sort of every day is Fish and (laughs) Ship Day. uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, we, we, we love this day and it's good, yeah.
1: Now, let's go back to 2020, which isn't something many people want to do, to be honest. It, it wasn't a stellar oh. year for many reasons, but there was a little, a little spark of light at the end of that tunnel, which came in the, in the form of food and, and you really starting something very special. Take us back then to the conception of Dan's Home Food.
8: OK, so, um, yeah, I was working in recruitment before um, and I and just started a new position. Um, I was in my probation period. Then uh, obviously COVID really hit, and um, unfortunately I was sort of let go. So I had to find something to do. And my mum had like a cookbook from like 30 years ago, and she um, opened the page to a pasty, and she said, "Do you want to come over and uh, and make some of these?" I was like, "Absolutely!" So uh, we made uh, we made six, and I took a picture and I put it on Facebook, and I said, uh, "You know, as, you know, would anybody be interested in this?" I uh, didn't really think anything of it, and then we woke up um, the next day to about seventy messages from people saying like, "We want, we want this, we want this. Can you deliver this?" This. So um, yeah, I mean, it all stems from that one time my mum sent me that message. Really, if she
1: hadn't have sent me that, then this wouldn't exist. So. Good old mum. Good old mum. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The menu's obviously expanded since then. What else are you uh, you cooking up and and serving up?
8: Right so we've just done uh, a couple of months ago we added uh, a chicken Balti pie.
0: Ooh. It's basically a
8: curry in a pie. It's absolutely <gasps> ridiculous. Um we have uh, we've actually just put a new fish on. Um it's called hoki. Uh, it's from New Zealand, uh, really sustainable, really juicy. It, it's really really good. You guys should honestly try it. It's uh, and it's a slightly cheaper option to the cod as well. Um so yeah, definitely get on that. Um we've also started I tried to do like um, a British sort of style meal deal. You know, you mm-hmm. get like a sandwich, some crisps, and a drink. So we launched that this week. That's pretty good. We have got egg mayo, coronation chicken, and tuna mayo so far.
1: Love a coronation uh, yeah. chicken. Why don't more places yeah. do a coronation chicken? It's the best. Right. Can it you can really you good. can you kind of break it down? Because it's something I'd love to create at home. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not asking for you know the secret sauce, but I kind of am. Mm-hmm. What what goes into it? Okay,
8: so the spices you can kind of play around with. Uh, um, it's, just, it's just mayonnaise, curry powder, um, a bit of salt, a bit of pepper, a little dash of lemon juice. Um, you can add whatever spices you want. You can put some ground masala in there if you want, uh, just add um, some turmeric. As long as it's like really yellow, um, yes. that's that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and you, if you want to, you can put raisins in it. So we do put raisins in ours, but um, yeah, it's really. It, I prefer it with raisins. It adds a different sort of fruitiness to it. I always really put good.
1: a little bit of mango chutney in mine for like a little bit of mm. a little bit of sweetness. That's my little. Yeah, little that top is a tip. very good option. But you, you've got to go full. Yeah. You've got to go full fat. you can't be skipping out on any kind of reduced fat nonsense now come on come on (laughs) you've got some big news dan things have been really happening what's the latest they
8: have indeed so um when we started it was always a thing where like I i never wanted to um Well, I'd never say never, never, but uh, I wanted to try and grow it like as organically as possible. So not sort of, you know, just use what the business is making to to grow it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it took a lot of scrimping and saving, but we've managed to uh, now expand downtown. So I've now got two two branches. Um, Yeah, delivery only uh, again. but yeah, so in Business Bay now, do IFC, Business Bay, Maiden Racecourse, all that area, uh, and some areas of Jumeirah as well.
1: Okay, so, just it. about to say, how do you feel about Jumeirah? Because that's where I am, and <laughs> now I fancy fission. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing, though. That is amazing. Um, yeah, message here so, saying, Hokie perfect. and Chips, take me to New Zealand, that man. Where do we meet Dan? Right, you're in demand, Dan. What's the best way of ordering your food, and what areas you're currently covering now?
8: Right, so in this, I say this end of town, sort of media city and all that, uh, you know, JLT, JVT, Arabian Ranches, JVC, uh, Marina, you know, like Business Central Towers and stuff like that, uh, and HESA and all that sort of area, Al-Barsha everywhere, Uh, and now obviously downtown as well, so all around the IFC Business Bay, uh, out near Maiden Racecourse, um, and some areas of Jumeirah, just over the road, there sort of perpendicular to Burj Khalifa, like that sort of large
1: uh, And area. how can people order?
8: Deliveroo exclusively. So, yeah, we're just on Deliveroo there. If we don't come up, uh, pop me a message and I'll try and investigate.
1: And this is the joy about being, you know, a man with a plan. You, you're there, you're making, you're connecting you're making macaroni and cheese pie with chips. I mean, not all superheroes wear <laughs> capes, Dan. Thank you so much. Really lovely to hear people who are passionate about food and people responding to it. You know, that, that taste of home for so many people here. And who doesn't love a good pasty? So if we're going to order one thing off the menu this weekend, what should it be?
8: Absolutely fish and chips.
1: Yes. Dan, you're a star. Really appreciate it. Message here saying, awesome, I live in JLT. And uh, Andrea saying, coronation chicken for the Jubilee party. What else? Mini Absolutely. pasties. Bring it on. Thank you so much, Dan. Wonderful to hear your news and uh, to catch up. And yeah, great to have you in my hood. Take care of yourselves, sir. Happy <laughs> International Fish and Chip Day. What time to be alive. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai I 103.8.